Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is gonna be fresh, it's gonna be real, and it's gonna be powerful. It's gonna help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's gonna put faith on the inside of you. It's gonna cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word, God bless you. Sometimes, um, I don't know, sometimes you feel like when you get up here, you're guessing a little bit, kind of like, what do people need to hear? And did I hear from God? But I feel today like I was sent on assignment to deliver something specific to you guys. And I want to speak into everybody in this room that finds themselves discouraged, that finds themselves a little weary. And I want to tell you the truth that everything good in life you have to fight for. Everything good in your life you have to fight for. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, Moses is with the children of Israel and he's at the end of his life, he's dying. And he knows that he's not going to actually enter the promised land. And so he's leaving his people, the children of Israel, with this one last encouraging word and reminding them of all the things that God has done and all the things that God will do. And in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 8, God speaking through Moses says, See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. How interesting is it that it was a promise from God, this promised land, but it didn't just magically show up, the doors fling wide open, confetti like the one Tyler tried to... It wasn't like that. God said, go in and take possession of it. There are things that God has promised to you that you have to go in and take. Go in and take possession of the promise. We're in a new series. We do it every summer. It's super fun. It's called That'll Preach, and it's where we look at big blockbuster Hollywood movies and scenes and characters and themes from movies that actually speak to principles of the kingdom. And so I'm going to be preaching with the help of one of my favorite films, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, starring Kevin Costner. The title of this message is Leaving the Wilderness, Leaving the Wilderness. So we're going to watch a, a clip here in a second. I'm going to set it up. So Robin Hood has captured the imaginations of people for generations to generations. He just was this outlaw that rebelled against the sheriff of Nottingham and would steal from the rich to give to the poor, was always causing mischief and was handsome and witty and a great archer, which is not really a skill that people have these days, but pretty cool. I wish I was good at archery. And he was this this uh, leader that, that was able to kind of rally all of the outlaws to, to stand up. And it's so, um, I'm going to set this clip up. So in, in, you know, there's like 19 Robin Hood movies out there, but the best one, the one we're going to watch, the only real movie about Robin Hood, um, Kevin Costner is, um, plays Robin Hood and he uh, has just sort of cause mischief and trouble for the sheriff of Nottingham and now he's on the run and the sheriff is after him and he's going to try to kill him and he, he's running out of room and so he, he has to make a decision. Do I run into Sherwood Forest 
the wilderness or do I get killed by the sheriff? And so the, but the rumor about Sherwood Forest was that it was haunted, but in actuality it was only haunted by these outlaws, little John and his merry men that were living in the forest and would do all these things like hang wind chimes and stuff to kind of freak people out. So the sheriff wouldn't act and his men were too scared to go into Sherwood Forest. And so Robin has to make, make a decision. Do I take my chances with the sheriff or take my chances with, with the forest? And so he goes into the forest, meets little John and all of his merry men. And then this is the scene where he has a conversation. I want you to listen closely to the words, because your words locate you. Listen to the words of little John and his merry men. Spin the clip. How is it there are so many of you in hiding? Well, we're all outlaws. Got prices on our heads. Even the young lad there. He's a blasted sheriff. He says we owe him taxes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're ghosts. We'll only keep the sheriff's men at base so long. They've worked so far. You have a better idea? You can always fight back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon I must have cracked that noble head of yours. <laughs> oh, these are all good lads here. They've got hearts of oak, but they're farmers. <laughs> It'd be lambs to the slaughter. They say the sheriff was raised by a witch. Witch? She knows every man's thoughts. You can see right through her, and she flies. That's a load of codswarp, Wolf. What does the rich son of a devil worshipper care what happens to a band of outlaw My lord is a kind and generous man. Who among you dares believe him, Caitlin? My father was no devil worshipper. And I'll have words with any man who says otherwise. But he's right. I was a rich man's son. But when I killed the sheriff's men, I became an outlaw like you. You are nothing like us. Oh. That there's Will Scarlet. Don't take no notice of him. He's full of piss and wind. <laughs> Come on, lads, drink up. Stop talking so much bloody rubbish. This here is the best that we simple men can expect. Here we're safe. Here, we are kings. <laughs> Come on. Listen to what he said, what little John said. This is the best that we simple men can expect. Here we're safe. Here we're kings. And so little John and his merry men were content to be kings in the wilderness instead of living in the land that was theirs. Your words locate you. Listen to what he said. He said, hey, we're all outlaws. We're just farmers. There's no way we could fight back. And so they were content to be kings in the wilderness instead of living in the land that was promised to them. And God had to remind the children of Israel who they were. I'm going to give you three points for how to get out of the wilderness. Now listen, I want to preface, this isn't just like one, two, three, and your wilderness season is over kind of thing, okay? Like a wilderness season will last until God decides that you are ready to be out of it. But I'm telling you, you will not get out of it without these three principles, okay? The first one is you have to know your identity. You have to understand your identity. And little John and his merry men did not 
instead of understanding that they were actually uh, had, were within their right to live in the, the land as English citizens, they were living in the forest as outlaws. But how interesting is it that it took somebody from royalty? Robin Hood was, dis- was the son of Lord Loxley who was a lord for King Richard the Lionheart. He was a noble person. It took someone who understood his own nobility to come in and say, what are you guys doing? You can always fight back. Why are we sitting here making wind chimes and creating ghost stories in in the wilderness instead of getting out there and taking back what belongs to us? It took somebody who understood their nobility that understood who their father was, that understood what they were entitled to because of their relation to their father. Do you understand your identity, your spiritual identity? God had to remind the children of Israel, look back at the verse in Deuteronomy we read at the beginning where he said, see the land that I've given you, go in and take possession of it. The Lord, it's the land that the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is reminding the children of Israel of their identity. You are a descendant of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob. These men that I have made, as Peter said, covenant promises with. God had to remind them of their identity to get them ready to leave the wilderness and step into this battle to take back the promised land. Do you know who you're descended from? You are spiritually descended from greatness. Bible says that you are co-heirs with Jesus Christ, that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the single greatest miracle, the single greatest event in human history, that same power lives in you, lives in you. That's what you're descended from. Did you know that you are spiritual brothers with men like Peter the Apostle, who was the only person outside of Jesus to actually walk on water, was even though he had, and that's why that song is so amazing that, that talks about the, the failures of Peter when he w- was walking on water and began to doubt in the first verse of that song. And in the second verse talks about when he was at the trial of Jesus and he, he felt the fire dance on his face. And the Bible tells us that Peter was warming his hands um, at a fire while Jesus was being tried in the night, which was illegal at the time. And then Jesus had told Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And then Peter said, no, not me. I will go with you to the death. All these other 11 yahoos may leave you, but not me. I'm your guy. And then we sing in that song that as I hear the sound of providence, which is the sound of the rooster crowing that Jesus told him he would hear, the Bible says that Jesus turned and his eyes met Peter. And Peter realized that he had denied the one he swore he would defend. And the Bible says that he ran away and wept bitterly. Even in spite of all of those failures, God reaches down, pulls Peter back up after Jesus was resurrected, meets him on a beach, and charges him with the single greatest mission anyone's ever been given. It says, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep, build my church. And Peter erupted into one of the most brave and courageous men of all time, where even though he was beaten, thrown in prison, 
tortured. He said to the, to the governing officials, listen, you do to me whatever you have to, but I cannot help but testify to the things that I have seen. Peter was so brave. Jesus had told him, you're gonna, you're, your life will be required of you in my name. You will be martyred in my name. And Peter lived the whole rest of his life marching to what he knew would be a terrible way to die. And he said, when he was set to be crucified, he said, I have one request, one request. I'm not worthy to die in the same manner as my Lord. Crucify me upside down. And the legend is that Peter was actually crucified upside down. That courage lives in you. You are a spiritual descendant of Peter the apostle. You are a spiritual descendant of James, the brother of Jesus. The, the, he's called James the Just, wrote the book of James, was a brother of Jesus. And after Jesus was resurrected and ascended to heaven, James was the bishop of the early Jewish church. And there's a historical account written about how James died. The Pharisees came to him and said, hey, you have got to stop preaching this message about your brother Jesus. It's ruining our, our religious Jewish faith. You've got to stop. And so they take him to the very top of the temple and they hold him right on the edge of this building that's several stories high. And they say, shout to the people that it's not true, that you made it all up, that Jesus is not the son of God. And at the top of his lungs, James said, Jesus Christ is the one true God. There is no way to get to the Father except through him. And the Pharisees threw James off of the temple. And the historical account says that he landed and broke both of his legs. And as he laid there maimed, they came to stone him. And as they threw stones at him, he prayed for them and said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's who you are descended from. You are descended from men and women of great courage that have faced tremendous odds, but have put their faith in God. You're descended from martyrs like Hugh Latimer and Nicholas uh, Ridley. Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley were burned at the stake. That's not a good way to go. I, I, would, I would not choose that one. They were burned alive at the stake for preaching against the Catholic Church and preaching nothing more than that you are saved by faith. And they were burned alive at the stake. And as they were being tied up, Nicholas uh, or Hugh Latimer said to Nicholas Ridley, he said, be of good cheer, Master Ridley, play the man. We shall this day light a candle in England by God's grace that shall never be put out. That's who you are descended from. That same courage lives in you. You are a co-heir with Christ. Whatever you are facing, understand your identity. Understand no matter how dark the circumstances, no matter how dire it looks, no matter what you go through, you are descended from great, great courage. You are a co-heir with Jesus. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and lives in me. Understand your identity. A lot of you know that... Um, when I lived in Texas, I did construction and spent a lot of time around Latino people and learned to speak fluent Spanish. Si hablo. Hablo como el, el aire. Trabajé en construcción por como 10 años. Y aprendí, no en clase, pero en la calle. That's right. That's right. I learned all the bad words first. And the, all of my friends, when I first met Katie, all of my friends were Latinos. And I went down to like the ghettoest parts of Dallas. I was a drywall contractor and all of my guys, they were my, my best friends. And so when I, I brought my, my sweet little white wife <laughs> down to 
you know, all these, these one-year birthday parties and quinces and all kinds of stuff, and everybody was just always handing Katie enchiladas and tortas and stuff like that, and, and she's like, this isn't so bad. But that's all, all I hung out with was, was Latinos. And I would always go down to the Mexican pool halls. And it would, every time I would walk in, it would just be like, who is this white boy and why is he in this room? But I was with my friends and so it was all good. You know, they vouched for me. And so anyway, so we're super late at night. I'm drinking at the Cate Light, playing some pool. And um, late at night, out of nowhere, the door flings open and someone runs in and yells, La Migra, La Migra. And all of my friends were undocumented, we will say. And so, La Migra, La Migra. And so everybody in this pool hall takes off running. Like, Tecate lights just thrown on the ground, pool cues, and just taken off running. And listen, if you're in a place where everybody starts running, you start running too. And so I was just like. So I run out of the pool hall and I'm running down the street and then I'm just like. What am I? I'm a citizen. I live here. But because I forgot my identity, I ran from things I didn't have to run from. Come on, somebody. If you don't know who you are, you will find yourself running from things that you're not meant to run from. Understand your identity. They all made it out, by the way. Everybody was safe. Just... Okay, I had a friend one time, true story. He was a roofing contractor, also undocumented. And uh, immigration showed up while he was on the roof. And there was a ladder going up to the roof. And they were like, you know, Juan Carlos, come down. He's like, no. They're like, Juan Carlos, where are you going to come down? And he literally grabbed the ladder and just pulled it up on the roof. <laughs> and they waited him out for a while, and then they just all went home. Anyway. You've got to understand your identity to leave the wilderness. Point number two, you've got to train for battle. I'm not going to play the, the clip, but in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, they train in Sherwood Forest. They begin to, to you know, pull branches down and make bows and make arrows and, and, and uh, you know, create little arrowheads and, and learn how to be archers, learn how to fight. You have to train for battle. So after that verse in, in Deuteronomy, so Moses is, is giving the Israelites a uh, a charge to, to take off into the promised land. He knows he's not going to go in. It's going to be Joshua that leads them into the promised land. So Joshua, you know, starts by crossing the Jordan River and then sacks Jericho and begins to go in and actually take possession of the land. But there's something really interesting. After they kind of have fully penetrated the, the promised land and they're, they're in the promised land, they've kind of taken out the, the, the main enemies and, and they're in there. In the book of Judges, Chapter 3, there's a very interesting passage, and I want you to, to look at it with me. Judges chapter 3, 1 through 4, should be on the screen behind me. Now, these are the nations which the Lord left, that he might test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war." 
at least those who had not formally known it. Namely, five lords of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and the Hivites who dwelt in Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon to the entrance of Hamath, and they were left that he might test Israel by them to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses." So Joshua's generation goes in and they fight the Canaanites. They take control of the land. But then these young people grow up that don't know what it means to be at war. And God says, I can't have this. My people must know how to fight. And so God actually leaves some of the enemy in the promised land so that these other generations would learn how to fight. What are you doing to ready yourself to get out of the wilderness and into the promise that God has for you because it will require a fight. It will require a fight. You will not just waltz into it. It will not come easy. I promise you, it's going to take a fight. I want to challenge you to pray different prayers. Don't pray. Let's say that you're your wilderness right now is financial. Let's say that, that God has promised to you that, which he's promised to all of us, that, that you're the head, not the tail, that, that he has given you the power to, to create wealth, to establish his covenant in the earth. Those are promises. But let's say you find yourself in a financial wilderness season. It's like, man, I, I hear those promises. I see the people around me, you know, but I'm not seeing it for me. What's the, the, and that's your wilderness right now. Let's just say as an example. What most people pray is the same thing the children of Israel prayed when and God sent the serpents to go and bite them because they were complaining. God was sick of it, and he sent fiery serpents. Listen, Old Testament God was, he was, he was gnarly, okay? He says, oh, you're going to complain? Well, how about some fiery snakes? And so they, they are like, they pray this prayer, okay? And that is, it's interesting because they don't even actually pray to God. They actually go talk to Moses, say, hey, can you talk to God for us? We don't, we're, we're scared to talk to him ourselves. Can you talk to him and ask him to take away the snakes? Their prayer is take away the circumstances that are making us unhappy. Instead of praying, God, what is it in us that has brought these fiery serpents against us? Change the way you pray. Instead of praying, Lord, get me out of this wilderness season. Give me money. Instead, pray, God, what is it in me that's not ready to sustain the blessing that I know you have for me? There's most of you in here, myself included, that if God just gave you a billion dollars, if you just logged into chase.com and just saw uh, 10 zeros on your checking account balance, it would destroy you. It would destroy you. You're not ready for it. I'm not ready for it. So instead of praying, Lord, bless my finances, He's already done that. You're just, you're praying redundantly. It's, it's, that's already, he's already done that. Instead, pray, Lord, what is it in me, in my stewardship, in my integrity, in my responsibility that is preventing me from stepping underneath the full waterfall of your blessing that I know you have for me? Change the way you pray. Train for battle. I feel like our campus is in a little bit of a wilderness season. We have an amazing building. It was a little, I mean, it made me a little sad, I'm going to be honest, on that video for the church's birthday. It showed a fly-through video of when we first started construction on our church five years ago. 
And then I was watching that video. I was like, that's what it looks like right now. It looks the same. And here we are in this, and I'm, listen, I'm thankful, like how providential that there happened to be an event venue two doors down that we can be in while we undergo construction. But the project has taken longer than we would have liked and that we would have thought we're in a bit of a wilderness season. So the question for us is, is, yes, let's pray, you know, God, expedite the permits, expedite construction, you know, blah, 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 blah. But also we should be praying, Lord, what do we need to do to be ready for the great harvest you have for us? When all of a sudden there's 1,100 chairs in a auditorium of stadium seating, room for 1,000 children in kids' church, are we ready for it? God, what needs to change in us so that we as a church family are ready to sustain the blessing you have for us? That's how we should pray. Whatever wilderness you find yourself in, pray like that. God, search me. What is it in me that's keeping me in this wilderness and away from the promise you have for me? And lastly, point number three, You cannot leave the wilderness and step into the promise without courage. You have to be courageous. And listen, we throw that word around a lot at Awakened Church, and and it's it's great. I mean, it's an amazing virtue. We should be courageous. But I also want to think about it a little bit. There's a big difference between bravery and courage. They're not synonymous. They are not the same word. They mean different things. To be brave means to feel no fear and to charge headstrong into danger. To be courageous means to feel fear, but make the conscious choice that in spite of my fears, I'm going anyway. To be brave, you, you, just, you either are brave or you aren't brave. Who cares? It's like you're tall or you're short. Some people just are less scared of things than others, I guess. Who cares? But courage is a virtue of the heart where no matter what my mind is telling me, no matter what circumstances I see around me, no matter what fear rises up in me, I will go anyways. That's courage. So we're going to watch one more clip from Robin Hood. And in this clip, they've started to, you know, kind of get out there and fight back a little bit, just, just a little bit. And all of a sudden, the Sheriff of Nottingham is quite agitated and starts to retaliate. And you better believe when you go and start war with your enemy, he's not just going to lay down. He's going to get agitated and he's going to come, come back at you. Okay. And all of a sudden, all the merry men, Robin Hood and, and little John and all the merry men start to, to like, what have we done? What have we gotten ourselves into? And they come at Robin with all of these complaints. And I want you to, again, listen to their language and watch this last clip. If it's fame you seek, Christian, I think you have it. 
You brought this misery on us, Luxley. It's Nottingham trying to divide us. We are divided, rich boy. I'm not as blind as that old man over there. You're still trying to be lord of the manor. I heard today that the sheriff now values your neck at 500 gold pieces. I say we take him in. Will, do you think that the sheriff will give everything back after I'm gone? He'll give us the reward and our pardons. Wrong. Well, stretch your necks one by one. What would you have us do? Fight armored men on horseback with, with, with rocks in our bare hands? Needs be. But with the one true weapon that escapes you, Will. Courage. Thank you, Wolf. You wish to end this? What do you mean? Yeah. You wish to go home? Yeah. Then we must stop fighting amongst ourselves and face at the price where it may be dear. I, for one, would rather die than to spend my life in hiding. The sheriff calls us outlaws. But I say we are free. And one free man defending his home is more powerful than 10 hired soldiers. The Crusades taught me that. I will make you no promises save one. That if you truly believe in your hearts that you are free, then I say we can win. They got armor! They got armor, Paul? Even this boy can be taught to find the chinks in every suit of armor. But we ain't got nothing to eat! What do we need that the forest cannot provide? We have food, wood for weapons. We'll find safety and solace in our trees. Yeah, but what about our kid? Sheriff's taking all they got, too. And by God, we take it back. Come By God, we take it back. Listen, when you agitate the devil, he's going to come at you. And listen to the, to the language again of all of these, um, of the merry men. They've got armor. We're, we're outgunned. We're outmatched. And all they saw was everything they didn't have, every reason why they were ill-equipped to fight the battle. But Robin saw opportunity saw that just like the, the 12 spies, there were 10 that's, that had the exact same language. Yes, the, the, this promised land looks amazing. Yes, it is indeed flowing with milk and honey, but it's filled with giants. We were like grasshoppers in their sight and grasshoppers in our own sight, is what the Bible says. How sad is that? These 10 spies viewed themselves as unable to take it. But there were two. There was Joshua and Caleb. And the Bible says that there was a different spirit about them. And they said, what are you talking about? Their protection has departed. This is promised to us. Let's go in and take it. And so I want to ask you, do you think 
and speak like the ten spies or like the two spies. Take inventory of yourself right now. Whatever you're believing God for. I have no idea what it is. Maybe it's, maybe you're riddled with, with anxiety and depression or, or maybe you're, you just find yourself lonely and in, in need of, of human connection and friendship. Maybe you feel guilt and shame for, for things you've done. I don't know what it is. Maybe you've been given a diagnosis that, that is terrifying to you. Maybe there's turmoil in your family. Maybe your, your marriage is on the rocks. I don't know what it is, but take inventory of whatever that thing is and ask yourself, do I think about this? Do I speak about this like the 10 spies or like the two spies? Do you think there's no way that this will ever get any better? There's no way we're gonna make it. This sickness is gonna be the end of me. Or do you think like the two spies that I am a child of God, that the promise of God is that no matter what, He is with you. That's the great promise of God. The promise of God is not that, that no tragedy will ever befall you, and if you follow Jesus, it's all gonna be so easy. He's gonna just, you know, steamroll every obstacle that's in your way. Not true at all. King David in the most famous psalm of all time, he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. It didn't say, Lord, you keep me from the valley of the shadow of death. Lord, you go through and turn the valley of the shadow of death into the valley of life. He didn't say that. He said, though I walk through it, you are with me. Psalm 91, the Lord says, I will be with you in the day of trouble. Not that I will keep you from trouble because we have to learn how to fight, how to endure in hardship times. But the promise of God is that he will be with you. And when God is with you, who or what can be against you? Go ahead and hop to your feet really, really quick. Listen, if you're in here, today and you're not walking with God, you don't have a relationship with God, you're not a Christian, you have never actually surrendered your life to God. Or maybe you grew up in church and, and once walked with God, but you've fallen away, slipped away, whatever, but you know that today is the day that God is calling you back home. Then as we close here in just a minute, there's gonna be a group of people over here with little tags on their, their, around their neck that say response team on it. And they're gonna take a second and they wanna pray with you. And they'll walk you through a very, very simple prayer it's a prayer of belief. It's a profession of belief in the gift of God. And the Bible says that, that when you pray that prayer of belief, when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you will be what the Bible calls born again. That there will be a totally new you. Your spirit will be completely rejuvenated. And when God looks at you, he will no longer see your mistakes, your shortcomings, your failures, but he will actually see the righteousness of Jesus Christ in your place. That's what happens when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. So if that's you, when we close, make sure to come and see our amazing team. They'll pray with you. They'll give you a Bible, give you a little book called Following Jesus that was written by a pastor in our church that breaks down what a life of faith looks like in very, very simple terms. But I just felt really um, led to, to open up this, this altar. And here in church, we call this 
the altar. And in the old days, they'd have altars where you would like kill animals on and come and bring your sacrifices. And we don't have to do that anymore because Jesus was that sacrifice once and for all. Church used to be like really nasty. Go kill lambs and be blood everywhere. That's gross. We don't have that. Praise the Lord. But we call this the altar because you still come here to bring a sacrifice. And that sacrifice is you. It's you saying, Lord, all I am belongs to you. And so here in a second, I'm gonna just open this space up and I wanna encourage you, if you're in here and you're facing discouragement, you find yourself weary, then here in one second, I'm gonna ask you to come forward and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for you. And the worship team is going to sing a song and they're gonna sing the bridge of, of that song, Move of Heaven where you're gonna sing, my worship is my weapon, my warfare is my praise. Every tongue is silenced at the mention of your name. And you're gonna sing it over and over again because it's true. The promise of the Bible is that at the mention of the name Jesus, every knee must bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. It doesn't say that everything will bow its knee. It says that every knee will bow, which is different. It means it's obligatory. It means even the things that don't want to bow their knee must bow their knee. So if that's you and you find yourself just a little discouraged today, in need of, of God to refresh you and fill you up, I want you to make your way down here right now to the front. And the worship team's gonna sing and we're gonna pray and I'm gonna believe that you're gonna find yourself filled up, refreshed. You're gonna walk out the doors of this building feeling different, feeling lighter. So if that's you, come on, make your way down to the front. If you find yourself discouraged, in need of weariness to leave you, to be rejuvenated, God, I thank you right now for every man and woman that stands up here saying, I'm a little bit weary. And God, we know that your word says to not grow weary in doing good, that we're not meant to live weary. We're not meant to live fatigued and beat down. Your word says that you make a table for us in the presence of our enemies, that somehow in a supernatural way that we can't understand, we are simultaneously always at war, but always at peace. That even though the battle rages around us, that you make a table for us, you prepare a meal for us in the presence of our enemies right now. God, we speak to every assignment that we seek to come against your people. And we declare that just like in, in the book of Exodus, when the children of Israel made their way through the Red Sea on dry land and the, and the, the Egyptians came to pursue them, the Bible says that the wheels of their chariots began to fall off and they found themselves stuck in the mud, stuck in the, in the, the, the seabed of the Red Sea. God, we declare right now that the plans of the enemy, that the, the wheels of the chariots would begin to fall off, that every pursuer that is coming against your people, chasing down your people on the path you have for them, that the wheels would come off. God, I pray right now we break a spirit of discouragement in Jesus' name and we impart courage, God, that even though there is things that make us afraid, even though there are risks, and even though we may look out into the darkness and see uncertainty and see the unknown, that you are the light. God, that your word is a light unto our path. God, I pray for illumination right now. I pray for an impartation of courage. And as we sing these words, God, that you would minister to hearts, that you would minister to minds and mindsets, that, that our self-talk would change, that the way that we view ourselves and the way that we view you would change, that no longer would we see the limitations and all the reasons that we can't, but instead we will
will see that you are our God, that you are the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Come on, let's sing this song together. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com. Or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.